Hey, everybody. Welcome to Social Beauty Makers, the podcast, where every Sunday and Wednesday, we'll bring you fast-paced, powerful 15-minute episodes meant to inform, educate, and inspire around a variety of topics, including trends and all things tech for the professional salon industry. I'm Gordon Miller, your podcast host. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. So today, I'm going to do kind of a riff on on five pet peeves that I have about the industry. Um, and um, yeah, what, is, what does that mean when I say I'm a riff? It means I'm not very planned. I've got my topics and I've, I've got some notes. Um, but, but a riff is, according to the internet, is a quick, lively and unplanned um, way of, of doing something. Um, but before I start my riff, let me also go to tech really quick because uh, I'm obsessed with it, AI in particular. And my, my friend from Canada, longtime beauty media guy, Greg Robbins, shared um, the personal... AI assistant that's called Pi, P-I. And my mind was so blown. I, I really recommend people give it a try. Um, I have no motivation except to expose you to AI on kind of a personal level if, you, if you've not done that yet. It's a great kind of training wheels thing. And this stuff's so powerful. It's helping me actually to train my cat. <laughs> so who needs some training right now? Um, so it's free. Check it out. Um, the, the, you can go to the website. It, it actually operates by text. It's really fascinating. But the website is hey. H-E-Y-P-I.com, heypi.com. So uh, check it out. On to pet peeves. Let me begin by saying, in spite of my pet peeves, that I love the professional salon industry, all of its many parts and pieces, people across generations, everybody. Um, But I do have my pet peeves. And um, I will say that my list gets longer as I get older. And, you know, some might think that that's because, well, you're, quote, um, old and curmudgeon-y, unquote. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I can understand that. But I would say that for many of us, it's that over time we gain added context and how we piece those individual pieces of context together and connect it with our prior knowledge and learning um, results in hopefully progress in how we think about the industry and, and, um, yeah, and, and but can result in, in some pet peeves. So let me, let me go first to uh, number one on my list which is business fundamentals. And you know, some bullet points on this, because um, there's always confusion and it, it surprises me, especially for folks that have been in the industry for some time. So I've got um, three. Number one is independent contractors. And I'll just say any salon that collects service dollars um, on behalf of those who work in the salon and then pays a percentage back to individuals who work in the salon cannot be classified as independent contractors under any circumstance. Impossible. Um, and, and, and in fact, I won't go into a lot of detail here, but it's like less than 1% of the industry are independent contractors. But by just by definition, um, you have to kind of work at multiple with multiple businesses, long, long, longer conversation. But yeah, if you're classifying people who work in your salon um, as independent contractors, um, you're not doing it right. Number two, commission. I recently saw a survey of commission salons um, that's across the country that said 50% of, of those um, who responded to the survey um, were commissioned only pay structure. And 26% said that they pay their commission employees the greater of an hourly rate versus commission. So let me just say yay to the 26% um, because commission um, has to consider minimum wage laws, federal and or state period, end of story. So all employees in America um, must be treated in a way that meets minimum wage standards, which is actually the greater of state 
or federal minimum wage requirements. So when you calculate compensation, if a person is so many hours in the salon, they must receive at least the total amount of those hours times the minimum wage. And if commission is greater, then they get more. If commission is less, they must get the, the minimum um, wage for all the hours that they are there uh, working. And working, by the way, you know, doesn't mean that they're necessarily doing something. If they don't have a client and, and they are there, quote unquote, working, then they have to be uh, considered um, as a working hour, you know, under minimum wage requirements. So, so anyway, um, so kind of, you know, consider that um, commission only pay structure doesn't really exist um, in the way that some people have thought about it in the past. And to do otherwise is a big liability. Um, rental, um, the IRS defines what it is. Uh, they, they do it pretty clearly. It's, it's a lot of words, but, but they, it's, they have the list and it's stated very clearly. And they do it specifically for our industry. You can Google it and find it all on the IRS website. And you know the root idea is that renters, um, both booth and chairs, as well as suites, by definition, they control their businesses. And so you know they collect their revenue, they set their hours, and a whole lot more is on the list. And it, it reminds me of just the same way it is with a person who owns a traditional salon and has a landlord. And again, they don't they don't collect the money for you. You know they don't do a lot of the day to day stuff that helps determine where control lies. And, and that's how the IRS looks at it is, is you know, um, who's in control or who should be in control. And again, classification then kind of rolls off of that idea. So renters across categories, think of them as tenants and everybody else think of potentially as employees and they are not the same. So that's pet peeve number one. On to pet peeve number two, the word artists. I've mentioned this many, many times. And you know, um, there's different definitions I think that everybody applies to this, but we have gotten to the point in the industry where it's, it's I think, a problem because we call everybody an artist, students in school, um, people in, who are in front of a stage. Um, online, we basically refer to the entire industry of professionals and those coming in as artists. And you know, I, I think you know, that that creates some challenges. I, I think you know, that titles matter words matter labels matter and you know if you get a label too soon i think it can potentially take away your motivation to aspire to something higher and once you're an artist where do you go next and and i think it's important that we always have a place that's clear that we have the opportunity to go to next and within the lane that we're in meaning you know work behind the chair as an example and so you know really important i would also say that you know artistry artists you know that's that's inside the industry language you know that's that's for us to to have with one another more so than with clients you know they're not necessarily looking for that so i think that's important to say i i wonder when it happened you know i, I feel like it's about 10 years or so ago and because throughout most of my career you know we didn't call everybody an artist it was reserved for people who were you know in a certain category who had achieved certain not necessarily prominence you know because you don't have to be prominent to be an artist but their work was at a certain level and was in a certain lane um another lane which i think is just as important just as something to be proud of is, is craftsperson and you know i think a craftsman someone who's mastered their craft is different than an artist but they're both really great to aspire to and so yeah, I, I think, you know, that, that uh, again, a pet peeve. I always think about the food industry, you know, as far as an example of, of a place I think that does it better than we do. 
I, I went to my, my favorite research assistant, Chat GPT-4, and, you know, kind of asked it, you know, like to compare chefs versus cook um, in the service, the food service industry. And, and it says that in a professional culinary setting, there is often clear hierarchy and division of responsibilities that distinguishes chefs from cooks. So two different level. The distinction between a chef and a cook often comes down to education, experience, and responsibility within a kitchen. Chef typically is somebody who's gotten formal training in culinary arts. So again, artistry, um, often through culinary school, sometimes extensive apprenticeships. Again, reminds me a lot of our industry, but they usually have a deep understanding of different techniques, different ingredients, um, different cuisines. And they also often possess a really good understanding of management and administrative tasks, um, including you know, the analysis of the business, inventory, staffing, scheduling, all those things. Where the cook is usually somebody who prepares food, maybe not the same level of training or, or responsibility. Um, and, and often they can report to the chef. In, in certain restaurants, there are no chefs and, and the cook, but there's a real delineation you know, between those two people. And I wish we had such a, a delineation in our industry. Also connected to that, you know, is this idea that we see all the time online that is something that connects to Malcolm Gladwell, the author, he wrote a book called Outliers. And he said, it takes 10,000 hours to master a craft. And it's just be kind of a thing that we, that we all say. It's become a standard. And, you know, uh, if you Google it, you'll find um, there's a lot been written about it. It's, it's basically not true um, that, you know, this was something he kind of keyed onto and there's, there's more to the story. But there's no set standard. You know, we, we come to the table with different, you know, um, ability. We come, some, some get there faster than others. So, you know, I, I think um, what's most important to say is that uh, patience is a virtue. It does take time. But, uh, you've got to put in the work. You shouldn't rush to artistry, but it takes us each perhaps a different amount of time to get to the same place. And I think, you know, that's important to say. Number three, in my pet peeves. And echo chambers. Um, it's a problem in the larger world, but also in our industry. And by echo chambers, I mean that we kind of live in a silo of like-minded people or, or perhaps people who you know, have similar affiliations or philosophies. Too often these days, we don't get outside of those silos and, and the world and our industry are just filled with various silos. Um, uh, examples would be you know, communities, quote unquote, coaching, coaching silos, you know, for coaches who have a bigger audience and kind of live in, in that silo, the people who are connected to them, um, uh, as well as the coaches themselves. Another silo would be brands. Um, Facebook groups create silos. People who are on boards, board of directors in, in various groups, they often live in silos. Um, there's a school silo. And I think so it, it's, it's really easy to, you know, I just have kind of tunnel vision when we get in these silos if we're in there for too long. And um, as an example is like, I'm socially liberal, I'm fiscally conservative. So in my larger life, you know, um, it would be easy for me to be in those silos, but I purposely pay attention to the far left, the far right, and the mainstream middle. And, and I kind of try to stay up with all of it. I, I watch news programs and read things that are in all the different categories, even though they're not necessarily my own, but I, you know, pick up interesting ideas and different perspectives, and it just helps me to understand life, I think, better. Number four, um, something called imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, and this is going to lead to something in a second, but imposter syndrome, that, that's this idea that is kind of a psychological thing, which individuals that doubt themselves, they doubt their skills, their talent, their, um, what they've accomplished, and they kind of have this internalized fear of, of being exposed as a fraud. And that's typically despite evidence that they are highly competent, that they, they deserve whatever praise or, or, or recognition that they're getting. And, but yet again, they, they have this feeling that they're not. 
they sometimes think, you know, that they've been lucky, you know, um, and that they're deceiving others by, by, by appearing to be one way, you know, versus another. Um, but in reality, a person who has imposter syndrome is, is quite the opposite of that typically and, and is deserving, you know, of the praise. My pet peeve goes to kind of the opposite of imposter syndrome. And that's something that's called actually the Dunning-Kruger effect, Dunning-Kruger. And this is kind of this bias that people have who actually have low ability and they kind of overestimate their skills. Um, they have this kind of bias of superiority um, that actually kind of comes from people's inability to recognize their lack of ability. And so they can present themselves as an example of a great coach who, who talks a, a good game, but has very little experience. And, and there are those people out there in the world. Um, my good friend, Michael Cole, long ago referred to this as the unconsciously incompetent unconsciously incompetent. They're basically kind of incompetent in varying degrees, but, but they don't realize it. And so I, I think that's interesting. And that's a pet peeve because I just see so much of that now. And um, you know, it, it concerns me. So Dunner, Kruger, you know, um, take a look. Number five, my last of my pet peeves for today is about generational differences. And I want to say that, you know, coming through pandemic, you know, we, I think, you know, have been more sensitized than ever to um, the differences among generations and, and especially the needs, the wants, the, the, the thoughts um, of um, the youngest of generations um, who are in the industry, you know, which is basically Gen Z. And I think that's a good thing, a really good thing. But I would also say, and I've said this before in the podcast, is that there's always been differences amongst generations. And it doesn't feel very new to me, having lived through multiple generations. Um, the, the same ideas seem to always kind of come into play, but we didn't have social media in the way that we have it today. So it's been louder. And then of course, with pandemic, with everything shut down, things again, got reinforced. Not bad, you know, at all. Again, I think it's really so important that we understand one another. But again, I think it's important to recognize that these things are, are not new. And that most importantly, that whatever generation we're from, that we really, really recognize that all other generations deserve our respect um, and room to be who they are, unless they're being, you know, kind of a-holes, I'll say, <laughs> you know, but if they're, if they're people with good intentions, doing good things, and they're of a different generation, and they, you know, have different contexts in life, you know, I, I think respect is important. And respect is the beginning, you know, of change, you know, when we're, we're talking to each other about the issues of, of how each of us can, can live our, our best possible lives, you know, so I, I think that's just really important to say. That, that is my last pet peeve. Okay, so I am out of time for today. Again, my short list of pet peeves. I hope you got something from it. I hope it didn't make me sound even older than I am. That would not be a good thing. And um, lastly, I want to thank you um, for, for being here, for listening. I want to encourage you to visit socialbeautymakers.com and sign up for my free e-newsletter if you want to get more content, if you want to get early access to the podcast. If you like the podcast, I'd appreciate a rating, review, um, subscribe to it, or, or better yet, best yet, share it. And uh, all those things helps others to find the podcast. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Gord Miller, and I cannot wait to share more again with you next time.